Hey, this is Ronja Kaminski from the Pinpricks. Greetings from Germany, and you are listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast. You are listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast with Mark Alden Taylor. What? The Freeform Rock Podcast with Mark Alden Taylor and nobody? No. Somebody. Me. Lee Gerstman. Why aren't I on that thing? I want recognition! All right, welcome to another edition of the Freeform Rock Podcast with me and Lee and... Yay, um, Edwin Canestrazzi, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. Happy to be back with you guys, you two maniacs. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been, yeah, I've been listening to all your videos and your uh, podcast with... Uh, with Eric RMCP Jordan, man, the the freaking uh, the horror podcast, man, that was awesome. <laughs> the middle. You listened to the whole Friday Thirteenth one. Oh God, it took me two days. Yes, I did. Just <laughs> <laughs> a lot of goddamn movies. <laughs> I bought the set, the Paramount set. I got the first eight now because of that. I go, I need these movies again. Yeah, but Eric was saying like he he's like he didn't realize how long it was going to be because he thought it'd be just like doing albums, but there's just a lot to talk about with a movie, and then when there's so many <laughs> movies, and it's three guys who all have like big mouths that have a lot to say about these movies, <laughs> so I don't know, it's like I don't know five hours or something, almost as long as a Iron Maiden song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to talk about Iron Maiden because uh. We are going to do, I haven't told Lee yet, but we're going to do a review with Eric in a couple of weeks on oh, the new Iron Maiden. Yeah. yeah that was I don't want to say too much, too, because I'm gonna, that's going to be my next video. My next video. <laughs> I'm going to do an Iron Maiden Rankarama. So that might be longer than the Friday the 13th thing. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, yeah. I'm not going to say too much about it either because I want to, I see Eric always leaving comments while I'm doing a review of this. I'm not going to say nothing. <laughs> Because we're gonna we're gonna do a crossover where he puts it on his and I put it on ours, Lee. So it's like so I, I, really, I, I really like how this REMCP like family is growing and expanding with all these like sp it's like a it's like a band like a spinoff thing like you know you have the Seattle scene and then you have like Temple of the Dog and shit, Mad Season. Oh, it's yeah, kind of yeah. like that. Like we're having all these spinoffs from the that all come from the RMCP army, you know. Yeah, but what Ian would call us is Britney Fox. <laughs> uh, I know, he, I know, he said that before, huh? They had a, they had their thing for like about a year. You know? <laughs> That's funny. Uh -huh. But today, um, we were gonna do this, uh, like the week uh, Charlie Watts uh, passed away. We're actually going to do a Beach Boys album, but uh, you change it to this in honor of Charlie Watts. So this is a uh, Rolling Stones tattoo. You, um, why did you pick this album, Edwin? Uh, I picked it for a couple reasons. I mean, I didn't put that much thought. I mean, obviously, you know, I put a lot of thought into Charlie Watts, and I did that tribute uh, for him uh, on YouTube. And he is my favorite. He was my favorite member of the Rolling Stones, and I love, you know, I love Charlie Watts. I always will love him. And so, but instinctively, all I knew is like Goathead Soup, I had already done a separate video about, so I talked a lot about that. 
and I already did a YouTube video where I did the whole discography, so I knew I didn't want to go head soup because essentially I talked about that album twice already. And the big four, everyone always kind of talks about the big four, you know, Exile, Sticky Fingers, Let It Bleed, uh, Beggar's Banquet. And I was thinking, like, what's one that I don't hear people talk about but yet is a big album? And to me, it's their last big album. Like, their really last, also in my opinion, great last great album and last classic album is Tattoo You. And it also kind of fit, it's like right in the middle there, you know, it's like they're, it's not later Stones, but it's not early Stones too, you know, it's early 80s. So I thought it was a good, if we were gonna do this as a tribute to Charlie, I felt Tattoo You for all those reasons made uh, sense. Plus it's just one that over the years I've grown to love more and more and more, kind of like Goat's Head Soup. It's one that wasn't initially one of my favorite albums, but I mean, I always liked it, but over the years, it just grew and grew and grew and I think it's a it's a real grower and I love this album and I just got that like new vinyl remaster that's like how many bits like do you do the slow thing where they the half speed remaster? remaster yeah yeah the half speed remaster and it just blew me away blew me away and it made me appreciate this album even more so and so that's why it just my head just went right to yeah we should talk about Tattoo You this would be a cool album to talk about yeah I got two uh, half-speed remasters. I got Sticky Fingers and I can't remember the other one. But they sound amazing. And Tattoo You already had on regular vinyl so now you make me want to buy this one. <laughs> Go get the I, have, I, have two, I, had a, I had an old copy, like an original copy from like 1981 which it wasn't in the best condition so it didn't sound that great. But this, yeah, but that new uh, half-speed remaster, I got that in Exile Main Street. They both sound amazing. So if you're out there and you collect vinyl definitely get them they do sound different it's like hearing the albums all over again and there's a lot of nuance and little parts you're not used to hearing and it's amazing it just sounds like the bands in your you know the band in 1981 is in your living room playing it's amazing nice uh this will be the second album we've done by the stones as lee picked um undercover we've done that review before that oh, cool! One. And that's it, this is the one right before Undercover. It's yeah, yeah, and mm -hmm. yeah, because they had the live album right after this, and then Undercover. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, we're kind of going in order here a little bit of studio albums. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we haven't done. Uh, I don't think Lee wants to do Sticky Fingers. <laughs> um, I prefer the Brian Jones period. Oh, okay, yeah. So this is their sixteenth uh, British and eighteenth studio album, and this is a bunch. A bunch of leftovers from decades from them because they they were fighting at the time and they got in the studio and they got studio time and fixed a lot of the songs that were not ready yet but to finish off the track mm -hmm. but this is a weird album because it's a bunch of it's a bunch of like leftovers like kind of van halen uh their last album was <laughs> that they got in the studio and just fixed them and huh. changed the names so that's pretty cool uh, Mick Taylor came on on two tracks. Mick Taylor is on this album too, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, it dates back. It's because it dates two of the songs, "Tops" and "Waiting on a Friend," actually date back to the Goat's Head Soup sessions, nineteen seventy-two. Nice. So that's why Mick Taylor's there. It's not they didn't invite Mick Taylor there. <laughs> it's because yeah. they were using yeah, old tracks. It's, it's a bunch of old tracks because they were fighting and they couldn't get <laughs> get together yeah. and uh, write some yeah, new and, shit. And they, but they had the, over a decade throughout the 70s, they had amassed a lot of really cool outtakes, apparently, at least in my opinion. And pretty much, yeah, the actually the only member of the band that actually showed up was uh, was Mick 
you know, Mick went into the studio to record mm. vocals over all these, which were essentially instrumental tracks. Mm. And yeah, Mick, Mick kind of, it's kind of Mick and the producer kind of put this album together. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, yeah. But yeah, I think it's very cohesive. Like, if you didn't know that, I don't feel like you would know that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel, it, especially if the way they, like half the first side is all the rock songs and then the second side is all the ballads. And so to, there's, it's very cohesive. To me, it's actually more cohesive than some albums that they have done when they were all like new songs and all working in the studio together. It's they, I think the selection and how they put it all together, I think they did, a, Mick and the producer did an amazing job because if you didn't know it, I don't think anyone would know it. I think they would just assume that the Stones came in after Emotional Rescue and just knocked this album out. You know, at least that's how it sounds like to my ears. Like even the the tracks that go back as far as 1972, like Waiting on a Friend, which was one of the hits from the album, like, like that that sounds fresh. Like for the early 80s, that sounds like a 1981 song. Just I think it's a real credit to the Stones that they did shit like in the early 70s that still sounded fresh in the early 80s, you know, without, all they did was make, lay down a vocal and they threw on a saxophone, that's it. Everything else was recorded in 1972 on that song. So to me, it's a real credit to the, to the Stones that they could put together outtakes and it could be such a cohesive album that was still, a, it was a huge hit in their like last number one album around the world. Nice, it's like, uh... I know that I didn't know that till I read this on a Wikipedia. I go, what? This was like a bunch of leftovers. They went <laughs> dead. And just, I go, damn. Leftover of the stones. It ain't just anyone's leftovers. That's the thing. God, this isn't like uh, Dirty Work, which is I think the Stones' worst album of all time. <laughs> just... I I have a different opinion than not just you, uh, Mark, but most people. Yeah, because most people hate that album. I actually really like that album. I think it's underrated. Uh, I think a lot of people judge it because of its shitty album cover. It's kind of like Kisses <laughs> Asylum. <laughs> well, uh, very similar to Kisses Asylum. I mean, the album covers are very similar because they're very colorful and very 80s. And I think people kind of are harsh on that album because of that but the album's really raw and kind of like it's not their best collection of songs but it's a real kind of straight up rock and roll record i i really dig that record what do you think their worst album is then uh, if i had to pick like i actually don't think the stones have a bad album actually i think they have a really great run um i think i do think this album tattoo used their last great one but after that i think they're all like pretty much good for the most part i'd say if i had to pick you know, and, and this is kind of a comeback album, and I don't think it's bad, but if I had to pick, I'd probably go Steel Wheels. It's, it's my least favorite. Dang, I, 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 which, which album were you talking about? Um, uh, the, the one that you did like the cover? Or uh, Mark? Dirt, dirty Work. Oh, okay. It That's has like Harlem Shuffle, it's like the big, and One Hit to the Body, which is a great fucking song. Oh, I like that song. But yeah, that's I didn't probably need to listen to that album. I think uh, MTV played Harlem Shuffle so much, it's just like, I don't want to listen to this album. <laughs> I yeah. think I heard that Mick wasn't really fully into it, so Keith had to come up with a lot of the songs, and then Mick came in later and put his vocals on it. So that's more of a Keith album. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Mick, that's totally rightly. Uh, Mick actually hates that album partially because <laughs> trashed it. But yeah, but you know me. You know, I mean, I like the rock and roll stuff, and Keith was like the rock and roll guy. 
Mick leaned a yeah. little more towards like pop and different kinds of music. So yeah, so yeah. Dirty Work. It's funny because it has this really poppy looking album cover, but it's a pretty just yeah. straight up rock and roll record for the most part. There's a couple duds. Don't get me wrong. There's a couple oh, like yeah. uh, there's a couple songs that aren't that great, but I think it's an underrated album. So. Yeah, when Charlie oh, okay. when when Charlie Watts passed, I went to their uh, they released like a 3D like a uh, three CD greatest hit CD called Gur. And I was listening to like Doom and Gloom, and I go, "This is a fucking great song." <laughs> go, great song, and fuck. they just recorded oh. that like a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Oh wow. damn, fucking Charlie sounded amazing on that song." Sounds great. I hope I'm hoping. I know that they have some other songs recorded, so I hope they could kind of like with Tattoo You, like. But nowadays, I hope they put together like anything that they've recorded in the past ten years that we haven't heard. I hope they can put it all together with Charlie's drummings and just do one last, you know, proper Rolling Stones album. Yeah. That would be awesome. And from everything I've heard in the past like five, six years, they've been doing good shit. So I liked you know, it, it, I liked a bigger bang. I thought that was a good album. There was a lot of good tracks on that. And I liked the the you know, the pandemic song, the Ghost Town song. Yeah, I thought was I thought that was a good song and I you know I've liked I I like the blues cover album I thought uh, Lonesome and Blue I thought that was really good solid blues covers uh, album so yeah you know, I think you know bring it on whatever scraps you got put them together get Mick in the studio and just put out one last in honor you know do a tribute you know like Power Up was a tribute to Malcolm Young do a tribute with Charlie Watts with his like final recordings with the band and put it out and then you know if the band want to do a final tour of, you know other drum with another drummer and kind of do a tribute to him and kind of bow out i think that'd be awesome but you know i they definitely need to do some kind of tribute to charlie watts and have a final album with his playing you know that's what i hope anyway i agree oh, with yeah. that man and also um charlie watts is not like everybody like top 10 drummers nobody puts him in a list but if you listen to him he's like so steady and so in the pocket that he plays it's like Phil Rudd of ACDC, you know, they keep going back to Phil because they they had Chris Slade here and there, but they want Phil back because Phil could just play that same beat over and over without dropping it. That's what Charlie was. Yeah, had the groove, had that groove. Yeah, he had yeah. that groove. And people don't notice Phil Rudd or Charlie, but I have. I go, who could play that drum beat the whole concert, man? Come on, that's fucking steady groove. And the, the thing about Charlie, too, he had groove, but also in addition to the groove, he had swing, you know, because he's like a jazz guy. Yeah. And you could tell, like, this was a big influence on drummers like, uh, you know, like Peter Chris, you can hear, like, like just where there's, it's rock and roll, but there's a kind of swing element to it. And, you know, Charlie Watts definitely brought that. He brought both the swing and the groove. Have you ever, you know, that on uh, Get Your Yaya's Out, that version of Midnight Rambler? Yeah, that's fucking amazing. And that's that's my favorite Rolling Stones song is that specific version of Midnight Rambler. And just listen. I mean, if you listen to it, I was just, you know, spinning the vinyl uh, the, the night after uh, Charlie, you know, died. And just listen to when it picks up, when it starts, like, speeding up the song. Just listen to those drums, man. You know, Charlie's a fucking animal. He's an animal. 
It's just uh, in the best possible way. I mean, there's just such a swing to it and such power. And it's funny because his image, he's just this like English gentleman, this very proper English gentleman, just keeps it cool, wears his suit and tie. He's not all flashy. But yet, listen to his drum. His drums are like savage. And have and it's 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 amazing when you juxtapose the image of Charlie Watts not missing a beat, super cool, while you listen to the strumming. That's just I mean, listen to like Street Fighting Man and stuff like that. Like that's almost like punk rock kind of drumming. You know, he's just pounding that thing, and without making a big show of it. And he yeah, he's he's actually my second favorite drummer. And I'd say Phil Rudd's actually my favorite. But Damn. my second favorite is Charlie Watts, and he's amazing. Yeah. I, I, to me, he's a cru- crucial. If you look at the Stones, there's only three. There were only three constant members. It was Mick, Keith, and Charlie. That's the trifecta. That's the Stones. That's the heart of the Stones, in my opinion. You know, Brian Jones was very important, but you know, in the beginning. But then it became you know Keith and Mick's band as their songwriting you know blossomed. And they played with a lot of really talented guitarists, McTaylor, Ron Wood, but those guys were essentially like hired musicians for the band. You know, I think at the core, the power structure of the Stones were Mick and Keith with Charlie. Maybe Charlie was a little more behind the scenes, but he was a very important member of the Stones, not just as a drummer, but kind of I see him as like he was a co-leader along with Mick and Keith. You heard that story about Charlie uh, uh, getting a call for Mick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mix and where's my drummer? Yeah, confirms my yeah. theory. Confirms my theory. He's not just a drummer. If he was just a drummer, he wouldn't be able to tell Mick Jagger in the middle of the night, "I'm not your fucking drummer," and punch him, and, yeah. still, and still keep his job. Yeah, you're my singer. I'm not your fucking drummer. <laughs> I was like, "Fucking a!" I was like, "Damn!" When I heard that, I heard for sure that on Eddie Trunk podcast when they were talking about that, and I was like, "Damn." That guy was a beast. I didn't think he was that that that, that much of an animal there. <laughs> oh, the best thing too, you know about like the full story. Like he puts on a, a he he sh- showers because Mick Jagger calls him from his hotel room like in the middle of the night, and Keith Richards is with him, and he's like, "Hey, Charlie, come up here. You're my drummer. I need you up here now." And Charlie <laughs> goes and takes a shower first, <clears throat> and shaves. Mm. He shaves, takes a shower, puts on a suit, slaps on some cologne. <laughs> And then, well, looking sharp with cologne on, goes up to the room, and that's when he knocks on the door. And Mick lets him in, and that's when he grabs Mick Jagger, you know, and says, "You're not my fucking singer. You're my drum. You know, you, you, I'm not your drummer. You're my singer." And he clocks him. <laughs> <laughs> that's to amazing. Mick's credit, to Mick's credit. It's not like he fired him the next day. You know, he's like, yeah. "Hey, whatever. That shit happens." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you you hear Mick and Keith talk about Charlie. It's without Charlie, there would be no Stones. And I'm like, what? Dang. Heart of the it's the heart, heart of the band, of, man. Heart of the band. It's sad that I find out all this stuff about him after he passes away. I've always liked the Stones. Always amazed by them. But I never thought of Charlie as like, you know, I'm like in the Neil Peart and Mike Portnoy drums, you know. Or freaking even great, uh, Alex Van Halen, and I'm going. I never thought of him as a great drummer, and now I'm listening to it. Fuck, he is a great drummer. <laughs> I go, damn. Yeah, you know, even listening to stuff like you know, uh, you know, get off of my cloud and stuff like that. He's he's driving a lot, yeah. especially the early stuff. He's That's driving. the stuff that I like the best. 
Yeah, it's like because it's like rhythm and blues, like straight up rhythm and blues. Yeah. And Charlie's like really, if you listen to their very first album, like England's uh, newest hit makers. Oh yeah. If like that cover of Buddy Holly's not fade away and stuff, like Charlie's yep. driving that band. He's he's elevating them. Music. Yeah. He is. Because I, I was listening to Rolling nothing but Rolling Stones for three days straight, and I'm going. Fuck, I didn't know he was this good. I, I always listen to, like, Keith, Ron, Mick, Brian Jones, you know, I'm going, oh, fuck. Dude, If you want to hear something by him that's that was slightly outside of the Rolling Stones, he also did an album um, called, with his group, Rocket 88. That was like a jazz group. And um, I... I might have heard a little bit of it, but I, I haven't really heard it. But it but I mean he had that group for quite a while but he um didn't really do much with them on on record. But it's it was from like I forget what year it came out, but, but it was kinda like it was either late seventies or early eighties and it's called Rocket eighty eight. And it's on Atlantic Records. And if you look up Rocket 88, Charlie Watts, you'll find it. Nice. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. I've listened to some of that stuff, but I never actually admittedly listened to the whole album. And I feel kind of bad. Yeah. Like, I feel like I should since I love Charlie so much. And, yeah. But yeah, that's he was like a jazz guy. So if anything, he was holding back in the stones a bit, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. He was, It's man. like Steve Smith in, in, in Journey. If you really want to hear Steve Smith listen to him in vital information and that's where he does his his really good stuff he also did some good stuff oh, in, the storm. That out. in the storm yeah, vital information, the, 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 the difference between what he does in vital information and the stuff that he does in journey would make one wonder uh why is this guy playing in this group <laughs> you know like Have you that. heard the band The Storm with him and Greg Rowley? Um, uh, maybe. He's pretty good in that one. I love Greg I'll Rowley. Have to, I'll have to um I'll have to um listen to that if it doesn't sound a lot like Journey. It doesn't sound like Journey, it's Greg Rowley. Oh, okay, well yeah. Alright, well let's get into this album, uh Tattoo You. We get to the first track. Which Lee picks, Start Me Up. So here's Start Me Up on the Freeform Rock Podcast.
Okay, that was Start Me Up. Why'd you pick this track, Lee? Back in the day when I first heard this song, it was the most promising song I had heard of the Rolling Stones. And it gave me the idea they had some of their spark back. Listening to it now, it still says that to me. It's one of the best opening songs on their later albums. It starts me up. I say hot cha to this song. <laughs> what did you think about Edwin? I'm glad someone picked Start Me Up. I, I was thinking about it. They said, oh, come on, Lee or Mark, someone's going to pick Start Me Up. They have to pick Start Me Up. So, uh, I was, so I was taking a risk. I was taking a risk that we would do a tattoo you, <laughs> you you know, review and, and start me up wasn't being played, but <laughs> but, but but thankfully Lee picked it because yeah, it's fucking awesome. It no burnout factor. You know, it's amazing. So many times I've heard this, and even I got a few like I love Sticky Fingers. I mean, um, well, it's from Sticky Fingers, like uh, Brown Sugar, uh, but it's a little burned out for me. This song, something about Start Me Up, never gets burned out for me. It's just so raw and primal, and this, the, the sound of that guitar instantly hits you. And, yeah, just like Lee said, it's like primal. If any, this, it's like, it's got an early 80s kind of uh, production, but the vibe is like early Garage Days kind of stones. Like, it's real straight up rock and roll, and... You got Mick saying, like, you know, you make a dead man come at the end. <laughs> like, the things that Mick got away with, like, fucking gangster rappers don't say shit like that. You know? That's, like, yeah. really hardcore shit. And this is, like, a, this was a number two hit song, you know, in the Billboard Yeah. Charts. And I, I think half the time Mick got away with a lot of shit because people didn't understand what he was singing. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but this one's pretty clear. I'm sure on the radio they faded out before he got to that. But still, on the album, yeah. he's loud and clear. It's it's badass, and I love the gang vocals. You know, and the uh, it just it sounds great. It's everything I love about the Stones is in this song. Never gets old. Like Lee said, it's one of their greatest openers. And it is after like experimenting. And I like those like disco new wave new wavy kind of punk albums they did like some girls and emotional rescue but this is another reason why i actually put this album even ahead of uh, some girls because to me it's like they really brought the rock and roll back with this album yeah. and start me up is right there i mean that's fucking rock and roll i love it i agree with you on this song this is like uh the song is everywhere a fucking uh you go to sports games it fucking starts a fucking game commercials movie it's a stone cold classic man and people already know this song if they don't know the stones they know start me up they've heard it at a lakers game heard it at a dodger game they heard it everywhere this song is just everywhere it's a fucking if you want to hear something that um maybe i should be hesitant in mentioning it but screw it there's a guy named saint sanders who does um, like shred videos, if you know what shreds are. If you don't, um, he he does um, you would say his version of Start Me Up. He uses their video, but when you hear the music, um, to call him good, let's just say he's he has a point to make and he makes it well so he's able to sound very distinct but um but um if you go to saint sanders 
and then and then look up Rolling Stones shreds um and you you'll see the video that he does for um start me up and hmm, I I think that you I don't know if enjoy the song would be the proper way to put it but it would definitely make an impression on you and he's done that with Van Halen too um with their song jump and um he's done it with other groups and and he's he's very very out there and and if you like really strange out there um kind of comedy stuff he's he's definitely way out there but but I dig him but I'll definitely check it out I like some weird yeah. you know out there comedy so yeah, yeah. No, I'll yeah. check it out I'll Just... check it out too man but this is a great song man a great opener again this song has never gone away <laughs> it's always around yeah, I think it's probably on every set list uh, like actually on Steel Life the live album that's uh, came out you know following year on this which you know was from this tour this was the only song that I, they did play a couple songs from this album on that tour but that made the album cut it was just Start Me Up and like you hear the crowd is like cheering for it like instantly it's already like in 1981 like live oh, it was yeah. already like a classic instantly it's a little like uh like acdc it's like thunderstruck it's that kind of comeback song that instantly becomes like a canonized classic you know that the band has to play for the rest of their career you know even though it's a later so it's like and it's it's really their last one they have a lot of great songs after this but this is the last bona fide stones classic that everyone knows you know so I give them up for that and they did it in 1981 it's like even yeah. if you're not a fan of the stones you know this fucking song <laughs> yeah, so, uh -huh. this was the third decade in you know that's the thing bridged them into the <laughs> 80s as a legacy act you know yeah. and then we get to the next track hang fire what you think about this one edwin oh god damn this song's great too <laughs> i love <laughs> hang fire it's 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 perfect it's a perfect second song on a rock and roll album you know you got the mid-tempo groovy sleazy rock and roll song first and then you got the fast tempo you know more upbeat with you know you know it's a little the like this the vocals are like you know, the backing vocals are kind of poppy but mick is real savage and kind of almost this is a little bit of that punk side that they started like some girls a bit but and then those guitar licks i love those fucking guitar licks that real like almost 50s rockabilly over this whole thing it's amazing the lyrics apparently are about like uh, uh somewhat political about the economic decline in england and blaming it on the uh, politicians and stuff and and how working class people gotta like struggle to get ahead and kind of hustle and do what they got to do to just get ahead it's an amazing song I love it. It was a single. There's a cool video uh, for it, which uh, I only discovered like just a couple years ago. Because I, I remember it as a kid seeing Start Me Up a lot, that video on MTV. But I don't recall, and Waiting for a Friend, but I don't recall seeing the Hangfire one. I guess it didn't get played as much. But still, it's it's on YouTube. It's a cool video. Great song. Awesome second track. And yeah, this is just straight up fucking rock and roll. And it's one of, one of the many reasons I love this album. It's because of songs like Hangfire. What'd you think about right it, Oh, it's an okay song. It sounds oddly like the melody was taken from a girl group of the 60s, but the instrumentation is more blue-collar like a bar band from the Midwest. I won't say the combination doesn't work, 
because it does, but ultimately, it's only an okay song, not a great song. Uh, this is one of my favorite Stone songs. Love the groove it has going on, and who doesn't love it when they go do 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 do? do. <laughs> it's like that's like a Stone staple going do do do. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. I love this song. It's a fucking great one-two start on this album. Fucking rules. And then we get to the next song, Slave, which Edwin picks. So here's Slave on the Freeform Rock Podcast.
Okay, that was Slave. Why'd you pick this track, Edwin? I would say this is uh, my favorite track. Yeah, it's yeah, it's my favorite track. This is my favorite track. I love this song. It's just such a badass, dirty groove. Kind of similar to another Stone song that I love, uh, Can't You Hear Me Knocking from that's Sticky Fingers. It has, great song. Yeah, it has a very similar kind of groove to that, and that's that's a great song. So, hey, do that again. That's fine with me. It's just a slow, badass, dirty-sounding song. You know, at the heart, I think the Stones are best when they're kind of like a rock and roll, rhythm and blues band. You know, you get the rock and roll the first two songs, and this is now the rhythm and blues side. You know, it's funky, it's slow, it's dirty. It it grooves. It never gets boring, even though it's a long song, and some versions have a longer cut than others, uh, depending if you got the CD or the vinyl. And it's just awesome. I love the song, and it's everything I love about the Stones. And it's another great example of Charlie Watts's great drum. And you just listen to this song, you listen to that man's groove. Man, he's in the pocket. This is some straight-up funky music that these white boys are playing. I fucking love Slave. What did you think about it, Lee? Well, Edwin, you know how you said that you were hoping that I picked Start Me Up or something like that? Um, I actually, if you hadn't picked Slave, I would have. Um, right was, on. was one of the songs that I wanted to pick. But anyway, I say, hot damn. This sounds like the group War and the Rolling Stones do a fine job of delivering that sound. This might not have been on their album, The World is a Ghetto, but I could imagine it being on Galaxy. Anyway, this is one of the best songs on the album. I like the spare quality of the vocals and how it sounds like a scratch track, but a scratch track that works. This gets three thumbs up. Yeah, this was, uh, to me it sounds like Southern Rock mixed with some Motown. Uh, it has a slow groove, killer organ going on. Kind of an instrumental with few lyrics here. But, uh, fuck it, it rules. <laughs> I love it. It's fucking groovy. Fucking killer track. Good pick, man, Edwin. <laughs> yeah, right on. Glad you all dig it. But yeah. Yeah, how could you not dig this song? Oh, oh, shout out to Mick Watkins. Mick is not a huge, he admits he's not a huge Stones guy. But uh, after the day when uh, Charlie Watts died... He posted a Stone song in his tribute, and he picked this song. And I was like, "God damn, you, you know, you're not a right Stones on. guy, but you you pick you pick a really cool deep track like Slave, which is one of my favorite Stone songs. So, but that's yeah. why I love Mick. You know, he's straight up guy. He knows where it's at. Dang, he's got some cool videos. You need to check him out on YouTube too. Um, and also on, uh, he's been on the the Metal Dungeon with Eric RMCP Jordan, man. You guys gotta check that podcast out. You guys rule on there. Yeah, and then, appreciate it. It's and great we, doing it with those guys. Oh God, I listen to all of them you guys did with them. <laughs> it's fucking great. On the way to work now, I can listen to podcasts again. Uh, and then we get to the next track, A Little TNA. What'd you think of this one, Edwin? Oh, I love this song too. So far, they're like four for four. Great song comes... Again, the, I love the sequencing of this album. I think it's really well put together. This is one of the... It's funny because... They're all outtakes written. Uh, most of these songs were all written like at totally different sessions. You know, for some were from uh, Goat Head Soup, some were from uh, Black and Blue, and some were from Emotional Rescue in Some Girls. So like four different sessions at four different periods throughout the 70s. And yet they piece it together where everything just flows. 
and Little TNA, it's a perfect song to come after Slave. It's a picks up the, the pace again. It's rock and roll. You got, you know, Keith singing lead vocals. And, you know, she's my little rock and roll. Uh -huh, uh -huh. It's funky. I love it. And, you know, Keith, he's not the best singer in the world. He, it's kind of similar to like uh, when Joe Perry sings or Ace Frehley sings, you know, he's just he just sounds cool. You know, he just sounds like a cool dude. And he just cool dude vocal. It's like, you know, maybe, you know, and I, I like some of his solo albums, but, you know, he's not the vocalist that Mick Jagger is, you know, but just hearing him a little bit here and there on it. Like, I always like when you hear the one, you know, Keith song on an album gives you just a little bit of a different flavor. Very cool. Very rock and roll. It's called Little TNA. Who doesn't like that? And it's just another great, catchy, fun rock and roll song. What did you think about it, Lee? This is one of the best rockers on the album. The vibe and everything is right. It's a good song. My one criticism is Keith's voice sort of sounds like a squeaky door. <laughs> I think Mick could have sang it and it would have had a more serious rocking edge to it, but that's a minor issue because it's still a good song. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, Edwin says, it's got Keith on lead vocals and here and bill steady beat is the star of this song man fucking not bill i mean charlie i don't know why i said yeah. bill uh i messed up my notes <laughs> bill play bill plays bass sometimes on the stones bill, bill i mean bill wyman <laughs> bill wyman i was talking about bill wyman's bass and his and i meant to put charlie steady beat our fucking the star of this song but uh i like keith's voice on this song it's got a groove to it I like it how they change it up with a, a when Keith sings a song on here. It's for, it's fucking a cool song. I like it a lot. And then we get to uh, Black Limousine. What did you think about this one, uh, Edwin? Uh, I guess if I had to pick like my least favorite from the first side of the album, uh, it'd probably be this song. But I still like it. It's just it's got just a straight up bluesy number. You know, it's just straight up bluesy song. Mix sounds great on it. It's got a good groove. This was one uh, that he, uh, I believe he wrote with Ron Wood. You know, Ron Wood, the rootsy, very rootsy, amazing guitar player. I just want to say one thing about Ron Wood. Ron Wood I didn't fully appreciate until I actually listened to and got into, like, the early, uh, Rock, you know, Rod Stewart albums. Oh, great, like, yeah. Get Gasoline Alley, you know, Every Picture Tells a Story. That's when you can really hear, if anything, kind of like I said about Charlie Watts, if anything was holding back on the Stones, Ron Wood's a, kind of holding back a little bit in the Stones, too. You know, if you listen to all the different stuff he does, acoustic, electric, that he did with, like, uh, Rod Stewart in the early 70s, he's an amazing guitarist. An the amazing. Fa the Faces. Yeah. The Faces are also with Rod Stewart. Yeah. yeah. And, he, and he played J bass with Jeff Beck, uh, Jeff Beck group. So he's an amazing musician. And he's a he's a very good compliment. I don't think he distinguished himself quite the same way Mick Taylor did in the Stones, because by the time Ron Wood came in, Keith Richards didn't want someone distinguishing himself so much. Like if anything, he was like that Mick Taylor guy distinguished himself a little too much for my taste. So mm. so kind of Ron Wood kind of kind of kept in his place in a way, not to step on like Keith's toes, but expert got you know expert player pro a total pro all the way i love ron wood and this is essentially kind of his bluesy number with uh, mick and like i said it's just a straight up it's a filler song but it works it's a just a bluesy song and again the sequencing it's like 
it comes right when it needs to. It comes off of little TNA well. And even though it's not one of the stronger tracks, I still like it. And I think it's cool. Yeah, in fact, I'll, I'll say really quickly that there's one album that that he does, a solo album. I forget the name of it. It might be the one where he's wearing sunglasses. I don't know, but it, it was... Um, it was done, I, I forget when, it might have been done during the time of Keith's album, Talk is Cheap, or something like that, when when Mick and Keith were doing solo albums and he decided to do one, and it's a very solid, good album, and, uh, and, and, and much cooler, I think, um, because it, it shows really what he can do. And so um, I think it might be called some like four three two one, I forget, but um, it's it's a good album. But anyway, um, back to what I say about Black Limousine. This sounds like an outtake from Exile on Main Street, and it would have been one of the best tracks if it were on that album. But it does sound a little bit like they might have done it a lot of times. And this take sounds a little bit tired. If they added just a little bit more oomph to it, I wouldn't have anything bad to say it about it at all. It's still a good tune, but I would like to hear other takes of it, if any exist and are available to hear. I agree with both of you. It's kind of a filler tune. It's tune. It's bluesy. I love the honky tonk piano, though. Uh, it's blues. Blues harp is okay. I think it's a little off, but it's a cool song, though. I wouldn't skip it. And then we get to the next track, Neighbors the Inside One. What'd you think about this one, Edwin? I don't uh, love it as much as the first four songs, but it does. Uh, I do like it a little bit better in Black Limousine. It picks things up again. This is like one of their kind of emotional rescue, some girls like kind of punk rock songs. You know, I kind of feel it has a kind of a punk rock vibe to it. It's, you know, mixing in it, kind of angry, and it's, you know, fast kind of punk rock, rock and roll kind of song. And I dig it. It's cool. It's a, it's a nice way. And, you know, one thing I'd just say, too, about, you know, when the Stones went a little punk in the starting with Some Girls in the late 70s, I think those early Stones albums, especially like uh, like England's, you know, newest set acres and, yeah. and, the, and the second one, too, um, they, they they have a kind of what I'd call proto-punk vibe to them. Like, especially if you compare them to, like, the, the Beatles' early albums, like, those yeah. early Stones albums are really raw. And they yeah. have a real kind of primal, snotty quality. A little, like, early, it reminds me a little, like, the, the Stooges, you know, like, you know, first oh, yeah. couple albums. And they have that quality. So, in a way, like, to me, the Stones owned a little bit of that. You know, I feel like they inspired a lot of punk rock. So, when they took a little of that back you know and with a song like neighbors like yeah it's a little punk rock but it's also a little like early stones you know like even you know that song like surprise surprise from rolling stones now and stuff like yeah. they, and even like stuff like even when you go into the late 60s like with street fighting man there's kind yeah. of this snotty primal kind of proto-punk thing so and again neighbors has that vibe it's i wouldn't say it's one of their best songs but it's a good song i like the attitude and i think it's a good way to end this the side one, the rock and roll side. It's a good way to wrap it up. What did you think about it, Lee? It sounds phoned in, I think. Huey Lewis and the News could probably do a better version of this song. Oh. It's okay, <laughs> but it lacks the spark that their better songs have. It's pretty much a filler tune. 
I agree with you, Lee. It's kind of a filler and goes nowhere to me. But I do like the drums and guitar. But the lyrics are crap. <laughs> it's just like maybe Edwin saying it's a punk song, so it doesn't have good lyrics. But I was like mm -hmm. disappointed in this when I listened to it, and I go, I want to skip it, but it's not like my favorite off here. And it's I think this is the worst song on the album to me. And then we mm. get then we get to the next song, which is um, "Worried About You." First song on side two. What do you think about this one, Edwin? Uh, I like it. It's probably my least favorite of side two. So, and it's interesting. It's the first song, but I but I think it works as the beginning of side two. This begins the the ballad side, like that's the thing. First, you know, side of the record is the rock and roll side. Second side is the ballad side, which I think kind of works. You know, uh, I think it's because it's like when you first listen to an album. You're all like pumped up, and that's when you want rocking songs. But then, you know, especially if you're middle age, you, you get a little tired after like five or six rock songs, and you want to start chilling, you know. And maybe the booze is starting to turn in the other direction. It's time, uh, yeah. you know. So the wine is starting to taste more like vinegar. And you just want, you just want to kind of sit down and chill. And this, yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think Still we, after there he is. We lost you for a second, Edwin. There you are. <laughs> did, did you hear me when I said Tattoo You was the the perfect middle age album? No, now we did. <laughs> okay. yeah, it's a perfect middle age album because it starts off rocking, but then the second half it, it slows down so you can chill out after all that five or six songs of rocking. <laughs> yeah, you get all your angst you out, and now you just want to chill and smoke a joint. <laughs> yeah, now you just want to chill, and it does it, and it just has a good vibe. And worried about you kind of sets that. You know, it's got the electric piano, you know, and it's got that soul vibe. Uh, I I think it's it's either it, I would guess it's probably maybe black and blue would be the session this was from. Let me look. I'm just a little curious about that. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, look. But yeah, it's a it's a it's it's just like it's just a groovy kind of loose, almost kind of lazy, but it's kind of cool like a soul song, you know, soul yeah, song and. You're right. It was from 1970. It was produced for 1970 guys. Back in blue. Oh, there you go. I called it. Yeah. Okay, yeah I just looked at the song and just and I think for me to vibe. click. Yeah. Yeah, that's their like kind of loose funk album where you know it's not so much about the songs. It's just about kind of getting into a groove. And so this has that vibe. And I dig it. You know, it's not one of the strongest songs on the album, but I dig it. And it's it's a nice tonal shift that sets up the mood for this for side two. What did you think about it, Lee? This is a filler song to me. It sounds like they had an idea for a melody that lasted about five seconds, and they played for around five minutes to fill up space, so the album had enough songs on it. It could have been better, and it sounds like they were aiming for a sound like the album Goat's Head Soup, but they fell short. They've done better. I like his R&B Motown voice, but... Uh... I, I kind of agree with both you and Edwin. It's not the best song on the album, but it's not bad, so I like it. And then we get to the next song, Tops, which uh, you picked, Lee. So here's Tops by the Rolling Stones on the Freeform Rock Podcast.
it's the same, come on I'll make you a star I'll take you a million miles from all this But you want a better star Come on That was Tops. Why'd you pick this song, Lee? If the Rolling Stones said they were influenced by the Persuaders when they did this song, I would believe them. <laughs> it has a cool early 1970s soul vibe to it, and it's one of their better attempts at doing that kind of music. It's one of the best songs on the album. What'd you think about it, Edwin? I wouldn't listen to the Persuaders. I'm gonna have to check that shit out. That sounds cool, because I'm not um, too hip to them. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they, they, they have an album, uh, uh, 
I forget what their the first song is, but it's it's kind of like a brown and white cover, and it just shows them, and um, they like, maybe maybe one of their songs was called some like "There's Peace in the Valley of Love," if I remember correctly. But I'll, um, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll find him. I'll check him out. I'll get yeah, you they they, they, they had a few albums, but I mean the the one that I would recommend is the one that that just shows them on the cover and it's sort of like a brown and white cover and it just shows them on the front and it says the persuaders it's on atlantic records oh awesome yeah because i love 60s and 70s soul music so yeah i'd probably be into it yeah. and i love this song great pickley talks is, uh, yeah one of my favorite songs on the album great beautiful soul song mixed vocals really really strong on it he does that facetto really works well it's just it's just sweet soul music you know and that's the thing you know at heart rolling stones are a rhythm blues band and it flows perfectly uh it's a much better song i'm worried about you but it flows great from it and it's like yeah this is where the second side starts to really get its groove and beautiful soul song yeah i love it tops it's great take me to the top i love it yeah like both of you guys said this is a killer track man r&b Freaking blues fucking kicks ass. I love this track. Great pick, Lee. And then we get to the next song, Heaven, which Edwin picked. So here's Heaven on the Freeform Rock Podcast. Thank you. 
That was Heaven. Why did you pick this track, uh, Edwin? Well, this is the one song that rivals Slave for my favorite song. I, I guess it's a it's a close second. I'd say it's a, my second favorite song on the album, my favorite song on the ballad side. This song just blows me away. And I know it's a real Dark Horse Stone song. Not a lot of people know about this song. Uh, it's it's very different for them. It's like it, you wouldn't even, I think, know it was the Rolling Stones if it wasn't on a Rolling Stones album. But there's something really special about the song. It has a vibe, this atmosphere. It's gentle. It comes from the uh, emotional rescue sessions. It's when uh, I know at that point Mick Jagger was influenced by Prince and some of Prince's early albums. And of course, as you probably know, uh, Mark, I'm a big Prince fan as well. Me and of too. course, as he's he's been doing, he's been doing the facetto a lot. You know, he was even starting to do the facetto even before Prince, but after Prince, he started doing it even more. And Heaven, the whole thing is sung. It's like you'd have to. Well, you just heard it. So you know, people listening to this, you heard what it is. Like even the guitars, like there's an effect on them that almost make them sound like a synthesizer. They just sound very, very atmospheric. And it's just kind of the song sounds like it's from Heaven. It's just kind of hanging in space and it has a mood to it. And it's just very fresh and original. And there's something about it just it stirs a lot of emotion for me i just love the vibe i love the vibe of the song it's like that late night you know driving down this strip late at night and the wind blowing your hair and this song you know ooh, heaven i just love it i love the vibe i love the atmosphere it's one of my favorite stone songs it's a real dark horse in their catalog that i think a lot of people should listen to and it sounds modern like this sounds like this could be a song released today you know, and it would sound just as fresh. And yeah, definitely one of my favorite songs. What'd you think about it, Lee? This is the other song that if you didn't pick it, I would have. Right on. Yeah, ah. this, is, this is one of the best songs on the album. I like the feel of it. It has a nice groovy tone that's good if you're high on something and <laughs> want cool music to go with the buzz. I like how Jagger sings. It's like his own original take on R&B. Two thumbs up for me. Yeah, it's funny how you said that, Lee. Like it's something you're high on something. This song is a trip with some vocal effects. Kind of weird, but I digs it. I like the mm -hmm. wind chimes and the guitar rhythm. It's a great song to get lit to. Fuck. I be smoking a J and freaking just getting high <laughs> to this track, man. Fucking like amazing song. And then we get to the next song, No Use in Crying. What do you think about this one, Edwin? Another good song. I don't think it's as good as Tops in Heaven, but it's a little bit better in Worried About You. It's kind of similar to Tops a bit. It's it's a really great, just another great R&B song. It's, it's, 
you know, I find it very moving. I think mixed vocals are really good. It's like I said, it's kind of like a slightly lesser tops, but it's still good. I'll still take it. Everything flows like you're in the flow of the album. So even if the track might not be as good as the other track, I don't feel this is an album you skip. It's like you're in the groove and the songs all just kind of take you to the next song, you know, and you don't skip a beat and no use crying. Uh, and I think it has a strong chorus and I really like it. It's another really good song. What did you think about it, Lee? This is sort of like Time is on My Side, but updated and done pretty well. For a ballad, it's decent and I can dig it. I think and it... yeah, it's like beer. It's like you you don't skip any of it. Even though it's starting to taste a little bit like cod liver oil, you just keep shutting <laughs> that thing down, baby. <laughs> Uh, especially when you forget about your beer and it's been sitting there for a while and it's warm, but you still finish it, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's when like, it's hot like, a, hot like an oven. I go, I gotta finish this, and my wife goes, why? And I go, because it's alcohol abuse if I don't finish this. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, this song is like, I feel it's like mixed with R&B with a little southern rock tinge to it with blues. This album has so many styles and it works. This song is a perfect example of all those styles coming together and I love it. Freaking killer. And then we get to the last song on the album, Waiting on a Friend. What would you think about this one, Edwin? Uh, another, just another great song. Obviously, I would say this is the second most known song on the album. And it's a, it was you know, a hit in 1981, and I do recall this video. The video was shot you know, where the, the St. Mark Street, where the physical graffiti building is. Yep. And you see that video and it's just got a cool vibe and like I said before the fact that they recorded this the backing the musical track of this back in 1972 and yet it flows like to me that this works with like Blondie and the kind of stuff that was going out there right you know in the early 80s like this sounds like a very early 80s song but yet something timeless about it has a little touch which makes sense because it was part of the Goatheads uh, soup uh, sessions which that album was recorded in Jamaica. It has a little touch of a reggae vibe without being like a full-fledged reggae song. It just has like a little touch of that vibe, but that in itself makes it kind of sound like the early 80s with like Blondie and The Police and a lot of bands had a little touch of reggae, you know, or in The Police case, a lot of reggae. So to me, it's kind of like a cool semi-reggae kind of just chill kind of soft rock song. And I like the lyrics a lot, you know, just waiting on a friend. And it's a perfect way. It's a perfect way to end this album, you know. And, you know, just think, it begins to start me up, ends on waiting on a friend. It's, there's something really cohesive about this album. And it's it's a real testament to Mick Jagger and that producer. Uh, let me just look at this guy's name. I forget. It wasn't one of the guys that did it. He did a few of their albums. Well, technically, they say it's a Glimmer Twins, which is Mick and Keith. But the uh, it's whoever was, let me, I'm going to get this guy's name because I'm going to, it's his name is Chris Kimsey. Chris yeah, Kimsey. Yeah, that's who I thought it was. Yeah, he he's mainly an engineer, and he was the engineer going back to Sticky Fingers, and he did a lot of engineer work. So even though he's not credited as a producer, the story is that he, Chris Kimsey uh, and Mick really put together this album. Keith wasn't really involved at all. But it's probably like some contractual thing where by that point they had to both have credit as a producer. But essentially, 
uh, Chris and Mick put this together. And the fact that this album has such a flow and is so cohesive from beginning to end with like the bookends of like Start Me Up to Waiting you know, for a Friend, to me, it's one of their m- most cohesive albums in their career, which is you know, in their whole uh, discography. So I think it's very impressive, especially when you find out that it's all outtakes, you know? But yeah, I think it's a great way to end the album. And it's like one of those great endings that, like Ian Wadley says, leaves you wanting more. Like you want to hear more Stones after this album. Like you don't want to hear, like you're not done with the Stones after waiting for a friend. Waiting for a friend makes you feel like you're just waiting for the next Stones album, you know? And then you'll put it on. It's 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 a great way to end the album. And not even one of my favorite songs, but I do love it and it's a great way to end the album. What'd you think about it, Lee? Yeah, well, first of all, I went also to St. Mark's place and not only that place, but there's a lot of really cool restaurants there, and it's kind of a thriving street. There's a lot of people um, who go around that area. They have, like, really good restaurants and good stores, and even at the St. Mark's Place thing, they have a tea shop that that they sell tea, and it's really, really good tea. And um, I got, like, a I think like a, a vanilla flavored Earl Grey or something. It was like mm-hmm. really, really cool. It was like they have they have different stuff there. But but anyway, um <clears throat> waiting on a friend, I it's a pretty cool mellow song. Maybe some of the words seem a bit simple and the melodic structure a little too repetitive, but overall it's a nice song to hear and one of the better album closers for them. Yeah. As a kid Watching this video on MTV, I hated this song. But as I grew up, I absolutely still hate it. Joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I fucking love it now. It's fucking really good way to end this great album, man. I fucking hated it because I was always waiting for another video to go past it. Oh, they're, they're having this world premiere and they always play Waiting on a Friend over and <laughs> over and over. I was like, fucking MTV, get out of this song. I'm tired of this fucking song. But now, listen, uh, as an adult, I love this fucking song. <laughs> it's a great song to any album. It's a good song where if if you have your purple plaid pants and your really shiny yellow coat, you put that on and walk down the street and strut your stuff and sing, ooh, 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 But make sure there's a lot of guys similarly watching you do it in order for the effect to be total. I, I want to see Lee do that. You should make a video. <laughs> you should, Lee. You should. You, you go to St. Mark's place and you shoot it. <laughs> That'd be amazing. So, let's... They have some really cool musicians on this album. They got Billy Preston on, uh, what is it, Slave? And yeah. um, what seven? Yeah. Seven worried about you. And then they also got Pete Townsend backing vocals on Slave, mm. uh, which I didn't know about till now. <laughs> and then uh, Ian Stewart piano on tracks two. What is it? Two, four, and six. Those are the musicians I know. <laughs> yeah, it's Sonny Rollins on sax. He does yeah. the saxophone on oh, Slave yeah. and Waiting for a Friend. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's amazing. This is top shelf stuff. And, you know, if most bands had 
these kind of leftovers to work with, you know, I guess most bands would be the Rolling Stones, you know. <laughs> I know, they say there's no leftovers for freaking uh, Van Halen, man, but that'd be awesome if there were. <laughs> but, they, but look at that, and that created, a, in my opinion, a great album too, you know, so like if you're you know, if you're a good enough band, your leftovers, that's that's better than most people's stuff, you know? Yeah, well, yeah. we're, we're going to get a shit ton of prints in the coming years, like... <laughs> so, okay, yes. And I love that new Prince album. Though. Oh, that's I do, too. It's amazing. Yeah, I think that it's better than most of the albums he'd released in his last 10 years, but, you know, yeah. that's very typical Prince to hold back some of his best stuff. He does. He did that a lot, you know, the Black Album, Camille. He had a lot of great albums that he held back. Always the funkier ones, too, for some reason. Like, it's like he didn't want to get... And Prince was funky to begin with, but it's like, he was like, no, that's too funky for people. They might lose their minds. So he would pull them. He pull the funk away sometimes from them. But, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great... Welcome to America is a great funky Prince album. I, yeah. I can't believe he held, held it back. <laughs> Just remember, Prince got booed off the stage opening for the Stones. <laughs> yep, dirty mind poor. Yeah, he got. But Mick Jagger had to come out and like chastise the crowd. Okay. That's not mm -hmm. nice. <laughs> <laughs> Prince rules, man. <laughs> and it says uh, "Slave" is uh, six minutes and thirty-four seconds on the remastered CD version. So you yeah. said there was different times of that song. Yeah, vamps out more at the end, you know. And also, I was reading here. There is a 40th anniversary edition of Tattoo You that'll be released uh, next month, October 22nd, 2021, with nine unreleased tracks. It has like Flying in the oh, Heart of Love. Fuck. Oh, God. Fee fuck you, Stones. You keep taking my money. <laughs> Fiji Jim. Trouble Coming, Shame, 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 Drift Away, It's a Lie, Come to the Ball, Fast Talking, Slow Walking, and Start Me Up Early Version. So we're going to get more outtakes from the album of outtakes. Yeah, and it says the box set will also add features, including a live album recorded in London, 1982. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, and they've had songs that were B-sides on some of their singles that um, some of them have been released on anthologies, but there's also probably at least around 10 songs that haven't been. Yeah, that they're maybe on Spotify or YouTube or something, but they're not. They're not on albums. They're they're like um, maybe on people's playlists of songs that didn't get on albums. Yeah, but I yeah. gotta I gotta I gotta see if Amazon has this pre order yet. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to, this is this is the problem. Normally, I mean, you know, sometimes uh, I'd be holding back on stuff like this if I think they're just like taking me for money but that goat head soup one that came out like last year man the, a lot of those unfinished songs that they finished were great there was that one jamie page scarlet i love that song crisscross was great i mean the stones just they recorded a lot of great music so and i love this album so much that i'm sure i'll like these finished up outtakes too i'm sure i'll like them so yeah there's like take, take Take my money. <laughs> Nine, well, actually, eight new songs and then start me up early version. I wonder what that sounds like. I got to get gonna it. Be, it's going to be more reggae influence from what I read. When they first recorded the song on Some Girls, it was had more of a reggae flavor. Nice. So that would be my guess. So you're going to hear. So it probably won't be as good. I mean, I'm not, I like some reggae. I'm not like a huge reggae guy. So I'm sure, you know, I won't like that version as much, but still, I'll take it. And I'm definitely interested in those 
other like eight songs, you know, I definitely want to hear them. So, Me too. so take my money. Take my no, money, Stone. I want to hear the live album too of London 1982. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. You'll probably hear it because like they did things like Little TNA and stuff live, which didn't make Steel Life. So this will probably include those songs that didn't make that cut. Cool, yeah. man. It's and gonna then be we, awesome. And then we want to thank you, Edwin, for coming on here again. Yeah, man. thanks. No, it's a lot of fun. It's good. I was just getting drunk, drinking some Johnny Walker scotch and talking to Rolling yep. Stones. The two righteous fellas. It's a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah, I was drinking some uh, Maker's Mark. <laughs> oh, I tip. was drinking some of Nikolai Vodka. <laughs> there you go. I, I had a feeling Lee was drinking vodka. That seems to be your drink, Lee. Yeah. It's the cheapest. <laughs> yeah, you need to get I away from that cognac. cheap shit. I told you to go to Costco. I prefer cognac. I, I prefer cognac, but that's a little bit expensive. I told you to go to Costco and get the freaking Costco vodka. It's like Grey Goose. It's cheap. Okay. <laughs> It'll last you forever. Grey Goose cheap? No, not bad. Well, it's it's like I heard the manufacturer that makes the uh, the the Costco vodka, the Kirkland, is uh, Grey Goose. Oh, there that's you go. Cool. So yeah. Costco vodka. Baca is secretly Grey Goose. Yeah, that's what I heard. Wow. It could be a rumor, but a lot of people have told me this rumor. So I'm not really into vodka. I like my whiskey and rum, but I'm mainly whiskey. <laughs> I like rum. <laughs> All right, and we get into our tracks of the week. But before we get into our tracks of the week, Edwin, do you have anything to promote? Uh, no, I mean, just, you know, I, I'm starting up, you know, after taking kind of a break, I'm doing those YouTube videos again. And I'll, the next one, I'm gonna. I did a Charlie Watts tribute. So definitely, if you listen to this, and for some reason, you didn't watch my Charlie Watts video, then go and watch my Charlie Watts tribute. And I also did a lot of videos about the Rolling Stones because they're my third favorite band of all time, and I love the Rolling Stones. So I did a, a two-part discography review in which I reviewed every album the Rolling Stones ever did, including this one. I also did a Goat Head Soup one when that. Uh, box set came out last year and the charlie watts one so there's a lot of rolling stones content on my youtube page edwin canastracci check that out and next week i'm going to be dropping my big iron maiden rankorama in which i will reveal in detail what i think of the new album nice well i kind of already think what you said about the new album but i'm not going to say it. i saw the i thought i saw the comment on chris Sinzak, so i'm not going to say anything people i you know, people, people, most of the people that are in the RMCP army already know what I think about the, the new album. But if there's anyone, I don't know who your listeners are, Mark, exactly. <laughs> is there anyone that listens to this that isn't on the Facebook groups we hang around at? I think Eric does. Uh, I, I don't know. Chris Sinzak hears us. I, I, I think we're like like the Britney Fox of podcasting. <laughs> so. So if there's any, by some weird chance, some weird algorithm gone wrong, that one person's listening to this show that isn't on the groups that we all belong to, the Facebook groups. Well, I know uh, I know uh, <laughs> James West listens to us. <laughs> I know for sure. on the groups, too. Yeah, everyone's in the groups. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's a family. It's a family. It's we a all... total family, man. I love the group, man. Uh, except for uh, Bob Reed. What happened to that dude? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. It's a mystery. Uh, I, he, I mean, he could be there. He could be there as someone else. Who knows? Could be there as someone else. But the thing, I'm just, I'm, I like, wow, because he, he, he unfriended me, and then Meg unfriended me the same day. Also, I go, what did I do to Meg? <laughs> I didn't even notice. I guess they did. Uh, I guess they unfriended everyone, but I wasn't like paying attention. You well, know, I don't, yeah. I don't really pay attention to my numbers. 
So, but I'm, I rec- I never see them anymore. I didn't think about it, but then that all came out. Well, Bob know, gave out. me like a like an off comment, and I said, "Dude, if you don't like what I post, you can always unfollow me." And he unfriended me. <laughs> I go, "Okay." <laughs> well, what was the off comment? I don't remember, but he was like, like being a dick. And I said, "Dude, if you don't like it, you don't have to be a dick about it or something well, like that's that." It. That's very un Bob. Bob always seemed like such a chill guy. Oh, well, he was me. a chill guy. He was on one of our Rush episodes, and he he's pretty good. So I, I was surprised that he had a fake girlfriend. It's like you know, remember in the '80s, we always had a girlfriend in Canada. So it kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> it's Anthony to Michael Hall in the Breakfast Club. Yeah, I had a girlfriend in Canada. But let's get to our tracks of the week. Edwin, you picked the Beach Boys getting hungry. I haven't heard that. I need to listen to it. Uh, is that from that one album we were, we were going to do? Uh, no, but it's close. Uh, we were going to do Wild Honey. This is yeah. from the album right before it, Smiley Smile, which I also, that's uh, actually my latest video I did was a Beach Boys theme video I did for Labor Day, which I reviewed the uh, two albums that they recorded in 1967, Smiley Smile and Wild Honey. And that's a, that's a fun video if you want to check that out, people out there. But yeah, Getting Hungry, it's a, it's a really weird album. It's very experimental and getting hungry it's a song brian and wilson and mike love wrote and all i can say it's a experimental primal pop rock song it's vaguely psychedelic but psych it's uh you just kind of you'll hear it it's just you just got to hear it to believe it it's just a really offbeat and i think very modern sounding song sounds more like it'd be like a modern indie rock song but a lot of people, I don't think, have really dived deep into the more experimental late 60s, early 70s Beach Boys. And I think there's a lot of great stuff there. So any chance I get to try to tell people and hit people that there's a lot more to, you know, the Beach Boys than just like, you know, the, the surf songs and pet sounds they did, which I like all that stuff, too. But I love their late 60s, early 70s period. It's my favorite period of the band. And this is a really groovy tune. So. Yeah, yeah that's uh, I, I need to listen to that, and I still want to review that album with you because <laughs> I want to yeah, hear. Yeah, if, if you want to do Wild Honey, yeah, uh, yeah, and I know the other one I suggested, but it gives it's got bad vibes for Lee. So uh, I'm assuming because of the Manson track, is that probably is it Manson track? Um, I don't like um, stuff that you know. Um, well, you know. Yeah, so it, but, um, let's not get it, into it. it. I don't want to shut down Lee. <laughs> okay, I don't want to, I'm just curious. But yeah, I understand. If that yeah. gives you a bad vibe, we'll move past that one. But Wild Honey is the opposite. Wild Honey is like all good vibes. You know, it's a, it's just a fun kind of R&B album. So yeah, definitely wouldn't mind coming on and talking about Wild Honey with you guys sometime cool. in the future. Because I I want to I love the Beach Boys, but the stuff you're talking about I don't know about, and I'm like, oh, you gotta dive in, man. It's great. You dive stuff. into it. Yes, dive into that shit. Now that I'm driving back to work, I've been listening to like a lot of albums. I I, I used to listen to the news on the way to work, and that just dro- brought me down. Now I'm listening to music all the time and podcasts, and it's like very. I'm very happy now. <laughs> I would also recommend Surfs Up and Sunflower. They're two really good albums. They're great albums, actually. Uh, two great albums, Sunflower and Surfs Up, uh, from 1970 and 71. Definitely check out those albums too. They're very eclectic, and again, if you kind of, if you like like late '60s Beatles, you know, it's, oh, yeah. it's a little it's a little like that stuff. So you know, it's yeah. really it's a very underrated period from the band. And Pet Sounds inspired the Beatles, so it's like, yeah, damn. 
And, and, then, and at that point, uh, all the band members were involved. It wasn't just Brian Wilson and Carl and Dennis were writing songs and Bruce Johnson was writing songs. And it was very democratic and they were all bringing in very interesting ideas or very, very strong albums that more people should listen to, in my opinion. Yeah, I need to check them out. And then we get to Lee. He picked uh, Jefferson Airplane, the uncensored version of the song Let Me In. I need to check that out, too. And then, and then I picked a song that I kind of thought went with the Rolling Stones. I picked the Animals' Dimples. <laughs> Very underrated band, the Animals, man. <laughs> yeah, I should. I gotta listen to more Animals. I, I know some of the yeah. stuff, but I never did the deep dive on the Animals. The Greatest Hits is it's it's the best. That's what you I got. Know, the, I got the, the one two. the one with with the, the what 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 that that says sounds great in stereo. The original like mono version of the album where. It's like an orange cover, kind of, of them sitting down and stuff, and or laying down or whatever. It's it's the best of the animals. It's a, it's an album that came out back around like the the sixties. I I got it in the animals because of Tom Petty doing "Don't Bring Me Down," <laughs> you know. Mm. And then I went back yeah. and listened to the animals, and also the Partridge Family doing "We Got to Get Out of This Place." And I said, well, the animals did this? So I went back and listened to the animals, and I got the double Greatest Hits album. Which you I, might also... Oh, go on. And, but you told me Dimples was a John Lee Hooker song. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. so it's Boom Boom. Yeah, I know Boom 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 was, but I didn't know Dimples was. And, 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 and if you like um, animals, medleys, you could maybe also hear um, Santa Esmeralda the disco group spanish disco group doing it i just like how they got their name that was pretty good though <laughs> they it was it's kind of rock and disco it's like the fans named them the animals because they were all grungy and not well kept <laughs> and they just said that bad this band looks like an animal <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. i thought that was cool and then we get to your track uh lead to spank which i sent to edwin today did you listen to it edwin Yes, I did. I liked it. Is that you playing the the guitar on the the track that you're singing to, Lee? Mm, no, that's that's what's well, a keyboard oriented sound. Oh, is that? Oh, I thought it was like I heard a keyboard. I thought it was like a guitar and a keyboard. So it was a sound that sounded like a. It was a keyboard no, I sound. No, I, I mean I do have some guitar stuff that I've done, but not. But no, that that was all keyboard. Oh, inter a cool sound. I like it. It's kind of the opposite where Heaven, the Rolling Stones song, is a guitar that sounds like a keyboard. This was like a keyboard that sounds like a guitar. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it had that uh, kind of quality to it. But yeah, it was cool. I, I dug it. And then it kind of jams at the end. Yeah. And yeah, it was a cool tune. I liked it. It was it was weird. It was yeah. kind of rocking. I like I like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I liked I liked it a lot. I even looked them uh, gave you a thumbs up on it and it put the keyboards yeah. rule. <laughs> it's like damn. Yeah. I also wanted to do a song called You Write the Letter that um um you can find it's from the same day and session and it also has a weird vibe to it and this lady I um know, Cynthia, also did a dance to that song and she's wearing like a cool outfit with like a sparkly type of blue top in it kind of would make you think that this is my version of a Roxy music video or something. You might want to check out the song You Write the Letter. 
and check out the video that that Cynthia did for it. Oh, I will check that out because I I dig Roxy music and that sounds cool. So yeah, I'll definitely check that out. I need yeah. to listen to more Roxy music. I like really I like, good stuff. Really yeah. good stuff. Yeah, I do like the guy. Yeah, with- I have to hear more folksy music, not Roxy <laughs> or or maybe blues Z or jazz Z. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you like classically. <laughs> yeah, I All do. Right. All right, man. We want to thank you again, uh, Edwin, for coming on the podcast, man. You rule, man. Yeah, check out his YouTube videos. Check out our brother's podcast, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, uh, Eric RNCP Jordan's uh, The Metal Dungeon Podcast, also uh, Devin Dugan, his DTM podcast. He has another one, the Rich Lion Podcast. He's got so many podcasts, I don't know what's going on with that guy. But, uh, he, they all rock, man. You need, oh, and also the Decibel Geek. Can't forget the Decibel Geek, man. And uh, hats off to Ron, Rock and Ron. We miss you, brother. Uh, here's a cheers to you, man. You rule. Um, that's about it, man. Thank you, Edwin, again. Thank you for coming on, and uh, we appreciate you, man. Sure thing, man. Sure thing, brother. Okay. All right, later, guys. All right, guys. Have a good right. night. Later. Okay. Uh, Lee, wait, wait, wait. You got to say goodbye. Okay. Wait, I have to say goodbye. Okay, all right. Goodbye. Bye. Later. Bye.
said, I see you every day, little baby. I got my eyes on you.
Thanks for nothing The time to spank The time it does grow As we become cranks Let it flow It could have sank But it will still grow For us to spank You have just listened to the Freeform Rock Podcast. All music played on the Freeform Rock Podcast belongs to its owner. If you like it, go out and buy it. Get your music on Amazon, iTunes, or at your local record store. Support what you love. Support the artist by seeing them live. Purchase their music. The Freeform Rock Podcast is not affiliated with any of the artists or music that we play. Thank you for listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. Until next time, stay free and rock on.